Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. We're in Connecticut right now. It's 67 degrees, which is a shade off 20 degrees in your money. And there's still a little bit of snow on the ground, which is melting. It's beautiful. And there's signs of hope for weather, for human race. And we do this on the back of a heart's win. Good times are coming, Laurie Dunsire. Yes, I mean, it's like four degrees here in East Lothian, and it was windy and freezing earlier on when I was outside. So let's let, let's temper that um, over-enthusiasm. Well, we, we will have some positivity, because Hearts did indeed win a game, of course, and we'll talk about that. But we don't want it to be uh, completely one-sided. There will be the, um, the uh, playing devil's advocate on certain things, and we will look at... A couple of topics as well as that. So we'll talk about Hearts against Dundee. I want to put a question to Mark after that, which is, um, not say negative, but let's just say looking at some of maybe the issues in terms of what Hearts are doing in recent times. I'll have a little quiz as well for Mark before the end of the show. And I'm sure something else will come up in the next 60 minutes. So Heart of Midlothian hosted Dundee at Tynecastle on Saturday just past. Since it was a win, and I've not done this for a while, uh, let's listen back to the goals, because we've not wanted to do that for a few weeks. But here you have them. Hearts look to go again. Smith, lovely ball down the right to Nongdwee. Looking to take on Fontaine. Clips into the area. That's great push. Diving header. Oh, it's into the back of the net. And it's Andy Halliday. A super cross from Armong Nongdwee. And diving in was Andy Halliday for his second of the season against Dundee. Here is Mackay Stephen getting under control. Does well to get away from Elliot, driving forward now. Early ball looking for Nongdwee, it's a really good ball. Nongdwee, right foot shot blocked and it ricochets back off the striker and in. Really unlucky with the first attempt. It's a good save by Hamilton and it comes back off Armong Nongdwee for his third Hearts goal, his first here at Tynecastle. Certainly fortuitous in how it goes in in the end, but they all count the same. Armong Nongdwee makes it hard to Midlothian 2, Dundee nil. Now it's a lovely pass through towards Anderson, Chance oh, pe- sliding in his pe- Popescu, pe- and that's He's a penalty rash. kick. He's rash at times. Did not look like there was any doubt about that one, and Dundee have a way back into this one. I think Jason Cummings wants to take it. Up he steps from 12 yards, good penalty, low into the right corner. And Dundee have a go back, and it's game on at Tynecastle. And it's his seventh goal in 12 games against Hearts. And Jason Cummings gets his fourth goal for Dundee. Seven in total this season, if you include those he scored south of the border. And with 62 and a half minutes played, Hearts to Midlothian two, Dundee one. So Hearts two, Dundee one. First time in six attempts that Hearts score more than one goal in a match. And it ended a three-game winless streak for the men in Maroon. Robbie Nielsen made two changes from the side that drew 1-1 with Inverness Cali Thistle. Uh, Captain Stephen Naismith out. He obviously limped off against Inverness. And Gervain Castanier dropped to the bench. And in came Andy Irving and Armand Nongdwee. And that was 
a change in personnel for Hearts, but also a slight change in system to um, a formation that we've seen Hearts use a couple of times. Um, the key one being when they adjusted things against Hibs in that big semi-final, which helped turn the game around. So this is a 4-4-2 diamond, or if you will, a 4-1-3-2, depending on how you want to look at it. So Craig Gordon, who was wearing the captain's armband again in goals. Michael Smith at right back, Stephen Kingsley at left back, Halkett and Popescu in the middle, Andy Irving, the deeper midfielder, with Aaron McAniff and Andy Halliday left and right, with Gary Mackay-Steven in the central role, the number 10 role, however you want to call that, with Armand Nongdwie and Liam Boyce in attack. So second start for Nando, as many people are preferring to call him, as the Blackpool fans preferred to call him as well. Um, and first time as a partnership with Liam Boyce from the start of the game. They started the first game that um, Nongdwe started uh, with Boyce in more of a number 10 role. So overall, Mark, I think it was the most positive approach and formation we could have expected, I think, from Robbie. I like the fact it was a diamond. Gary McKay-Steven playing a little bit more centrally than we've seen him. Andy Irving starting, which was a big thing for most people. And McInef as well. But the front two, as you quite rightly said, their first time starting together uh, in attack, Boyce and Nondui. And I think the, the sample size is very minimal so far. This has got to be something where if we've got the opportunity to do so, that we do it and put Nondui and Boyce in attack. But by playing that a little bit more narrow in the middle of the park, with Gary McKay-Steven as the kind of head of the diamond, it really allows Smith and Kingsley um, to get forward a little yeah. bit more. So while, I know with Irving starting, while it could mean that Popescu and Hall could come under a little bit more pressure, that's when your your holding midfielder is meant to, to kind of help out. Um, so there will be one or two opportunities in wide areas for the opposition. But as we've said over the past few weeks, it's not about them um, or us worrying about them. It's about them worrying about us. And, I just think it, it suited the players available, don't you? I think I think it did. You make some good points there. I, I thought I'd go through um, just some of the key moments in the game. Um, you know, you saw Hart starting with a, a bit more purpose. Ten minutes in, Nongdwe laid it off to Mackinef, drove it across the box. There weren't any takers, but it was more positive. And it, you highlighted one thing that we'd be looking for because Smith and Kingsley have not been getting forward as much in recent games. 50 minutes in, Kingsley, nice feet out in the left, good ball in, which Boyce headed over. Uh, we saw Smith, um, not uh, not long before the goal, actually, um, getting on the end of a move on the right-hand side and flashing it across the box. That was a nice move where you saw Nongdwe and Boyce combine. Boyce took it forward, and then because Nongdwe is in there, he dragged defenders into the box, open up space for McInef on the edge of the area. He slides it to Smith, and Smith has ball across the box. It's quite unlucky. I think it takes a little nick, so Nongdwee can't get a clean contact on it. But you saw that in the first half especially. I thought Kingsley and Smith getting forward again. Um, and it's a nice ball from Smith, actually, for the goal. That's just after he flashed that one across the box, about a minute later, um, 10 minutes left in the half. Smith, nice ball down the line. I like how Nongdwee thinks. I think when he takes the ball in, he has that good instinct to... To think ahead, even if it's just taking the ball into his feet and bringing it up past mm-hmm. the defender. And I thought he did really well with that cross. He put a lovely cross in for Walker for his 50th goal. And it's another really nice cross as he hits the byline. Um, maybe that Dundee defence should deal with it better, but it goes right over two of them and 
Halliday arrives with a header. But I, I really like what I see from Nongdwe, and I'm, you know, we're not going to kid ourselves and think he's, you know, technically fantastic, but just has seems to have those nice little touches and instincts that you want from someone in the final third. And he's different. I like players that we've had in the past that you can't second guess simply because they don't really know at times what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. That's usually instinctive players. Ricardo Fuller was was one of those. Mark de Vries was different. Mark de Vries, you kind of knew what you were going to get. Maybe there's he's a more mobile version of, of Mark de Vries yeah, and a little bit less that, skillful yeah. than, than Ricardo Fuller. So from, from the early signs, I mean, it was tough after the Wraith game because, I mean, he got off to the perfect start and probably thought, it's going to be like this every week. And then there was a two or three weeks and it, it didn't go according to plan and he wasn't starting all the time. But you need time for him and Boyce to develop. And mm-hmm. this this is a league. This isn't going away to a, a decent side in the top flight where you play one up. And if we did play one up, I'd, I'd want Boyce um, instead of, uh, of Nondouillet um, just because I, I think he offers you more movement um, and, and kind of an ability to, to link up the play a little bit better. But that's that's in the future. We're, we're not needing to play one up top right now. I think we should be playing two up top. Yeah. And I like what I've seen so far, I have to say. Indeed. Dundee almost got back into it, end of the first half. A lovely effort from, from Paul McGowan that came back off the crossbar. Um, McMullen really should have scored the rebound, but Hearts went in at the break 1-0 ahead. And I think at that point, largely pleased with how things had gone. Um, Start of the second half, again, I thought, carried on the, the positivity. Another quick counter saw Nongdui cut the ball back to um, Gary McKay-Steven. This is eight minutes into the second half. Uh, this, uh, We'll talk about Gary McKay-Steven, what he does five minutes later, because we're going to give him credit. But that miss at that point probably summed up just how things have gone for Gary McKay-Steven on the whole so far since he's come back to Scotland. He's someone who, he needs games. And I love the fact that when it didn't go for him, he didn't hide. And he probably knew there was going to be another chance. I mean, you see it and you're like, there's something wrong with my TV or my computer screen because he didn't miss that, (laughs) did he? And I don't know what it was like in stadium, but... He's like, well, you know, oh, what? I'm standing I'm with my hide. head in my hands, literally. Well, so was he. <laughs> I know. But he'll, he'll just he'll keep going, and right now it's just reps. It's play him, play him, play him. There's going to be a few games that he may not reach the level that we kind of remember him, and that's the other thing as well. He got his his good moves. He got his move to Celtic, and he moved over here to to New York on the back of, of playing some really really good stuff, and and was excellent against Aberdeen, especially against Hibernian, where it seemed to be all most of his goals were. We're against Hibs. And when we signed and on the Hearts social media accounts, uh, they showed the goals. That's what we remember of him. And then when it's a bit of a slow start, you're kind of thinking, OK, what's going on here? And I said it, I've said it the last two or three weeks. I think he needs a, a full pre-season under his belt because of the funky nature of, of football in this country, whereby you don't have the same calendar year for football as you do in the UK. Um, you start pre-season training in January. The MLS season usually begins end of March. Uh, this season it's it's mid-April, and the playoffs are are kind of November December time. But you've got your Concacaf Champions League, which is the, the equivalent of your Champions League in in Europe. But the the time of that can be out of season because a lot of that is designed 
for the Mexican clubs who pretty much play um, all year round with the Apertura and the Clausura. So the issue that Gary Mackay Stephen has, has had, he was looking for a club when he when he came back after he was told his contract wasn't going to be renewed by by New York City, but. At that stage, there wasn't really anything he could do because you, you couldn't go into a club and train due to the, the pandemic. So I'm all for just starting him every game. And if he can get 70 minutes, 80 minutes, even 90 minutes, then great. A bit like what Spurs are doing with Gareth Bale right now. Leave it up to him to decide what, what he thinks that, that he can do. Because once he's up to full speed, I think we're in for a treat. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that because I'm like you, I remember... Um, the big moments from Mackay Stephen because I didn't watch Aberdeen every week or Celtic every week, but it's funny when we signed him and, and this is maybe just a reaction because he didn't go to Aberdeen and some Aberdeen fans would have liked to have seen him back. But an Aberdeen fan I know said it's a good signing, although he was really inconsistent for us. Hopefully you get more out of him than we did. Um, and he said for that reason I'm kind of glad we didn't sign him. Uh, and obviously that, as I say, that could be the fact he's saying, well, I'm glad we didn't get him because they didn't. But he did say that when you watched him week in, week out, there was large spells that he wasn't doing anything in games, or there were lots of games where he was anonymous. So you're going to get that with flair players. But it's good. I mean, a couple of minutes after that miss, Boyce is unlucky. He hits the crossbar. Another decent build-up from Hearts. But it was five minutes after the miss that he does really well. Um, good direct running from Gary mckay Stephen. Nice skill to get away from his man. And this is a, a cracking cross right across, you know, it's what, a good 30, 30 yards plus it travels right, takes out three defenders, basically. It's one of these, you kind of think, whoa, that's, that's a, we've not seen that for a while at Tyne Castle. Yeah, well, it's funny, someone, and I really should um, find out on Twitter, because someone um, tweeted me and said that it reminded them of Rudy Scatchel's assist, and he couldn't remember what goal it was for, and as soon as he said that, it did trigger in my mind, it was Scatchel for Jankowskis, in a midweek game in 05-06. It was a 1-0 win against Kilmarnock, part of that um, mm. that winning start to the season. And it, it was almost identical. He, from the left-hand side, whips it right in front of all the Kilmarnock defenders, takes them all out. The only difference being Jankowskis finishes first time into the in, into the bottom of the net. And this one, Jack Hamilton obviously saved initially. Uh, I said it was... I kind of laughed in commentary and said it was very fortuitous the goal as it comes back off Nong Dwee. Mm-hmm. But then in post-match summary, I thought I maybe did him a bit of a disservice. There is a lot of luck about it, but I thought he just adjusted his body and his boot in such a way that directed it back very slightly. Just a, a bit of a reaction as it came back, I think. Instinct. Yeah, uh, I yeah. Mean, you talk about luck, you talk about fortune. We didn't get the luck for Gary McGuire Stephen, or maybe it wasn't luck, it was, it was a bad finish, but... From the perspective of being a fan, we're out of luck there. How did he not score? But then we get the goal. So, yeah, I, I, only he could answer. I mean, it's it's instinctive. Um, it's it's you just got to be ready. Strikers have got to be like that. You've got to be proactive. You've got to be proactive rather than reactive. You've got to expect the unexpected. And that's where the good strikers become great strikers if they've got that or can become great strikers because mm-hmm. they anticipate and. Just going back to the, the delivery you were talking about from the left-hand side, it's one of these that if, if the first person doesn't get it, then the second person's got a chance of scoring. If he doesn't, the delivery's that good that the next person's even got a chance of scoring. But you've only got that chance of scoring, A, if you've made the right run, but B, if you're instinctive and you anticipate things. And from what I've seen so far, and it is a 
small sample size. I think there's there's something there with, with Nondui. I think he's got a, a decent anticipation. I think he's got a good reaction time as well. We've seen how good he can be in the air. All he needs now is a bit more service. Yeah, and to be fair, even looking at his stats so far, that's three goals and two assists in six games. So he's basically either scored or set up a goal every 56 minutes when I looked at the minutes played, which is pretty good going, I think, at this early stage of his career. And obviously, we're not yeah. going to get... We're not going to get over the top about it, but I think so far, given you know he he wasn't fully match fit, he hadn't played I think since it was certainly since December when he arrived um, after his short spell in Turkey. So I think that there's definitely positive signs there. Um, at the other end, four minutes later, uh, it kind of changed the game a little bit complexion wise when uh, Declan McDay did well cutting in from the left, nice little clever disguised pass through to Max Anderson and uh, one of these where you've probably not even any point in showing a replay because it was about the most clear-cut penalty you'll see in your life as Mihai Popescu absolutely um, <laughs> takes out Max Anderson. It's a bit of a shame on Popescu because I've not been convinced at times by him but I thought he was actually on the whole pretty solid on Saturday. I thought he put a good challenge in a Mullen in the first half. Just tarnished a little bit by that moment of madness he has the potential to be a bomb scare and uh, make rash challenges like that i'm surprised he hasn't done better in front of goal because i was looking <laughs> back at, at he's big but he can't head it accurately well yeah there was that mess when i had money on him recently in the was it the morton game um, when he should have scored. Oh, I think it was the open the, goal from about four yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. Yeah, I had him at 50 to 1 for that. That was, that was delicious. Um, <laughs> not. But he's, he's a player who, when everyone's fit, who doesn't start. It's as simple as that. Because Suter and, uh, Halker. I was going to say, who do you play ahead of him? But you almost forget about John Suter. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. And Suter and Halkett, when fit, are, are the two centre backs. That's their central defensive pairing. With Popescu, potentially used if they want to play a three or maybe just as a, a, a squad player. But right now, I think he's a better option than Berra. And I would agree, yeah. He, yeah, he's, he's one of these that, look, he's, is he the best in the country at his position? No, he's not, but he's more than adequate to, for Hearts to get out of this league. But in the top flight, I just it's like goalkeepers. We've had certain goalkeepers. Bobby's Lamal, you kind of thought, yeah, there's... He's good. At, he's good at stopping certain shots or whatever. But there's there's a Rick in there, um, and and Popescu's like that as well. There, there, there was that kind of there's that daft challenge that he made for the penalty, and he's got it comes with it's a total package. That's that's what he is. But I think in the other box, I'd like to see a bit more composure because he's got assets and he's got attributes. He should be doing better in the opposition box than, than he has been. He's head like a 50p piece, isn't he? I mean, yeah, his yeah, yeah, yeah. head has been terrible when he gets up for corners. I mean, he's, he's reasonably, you know, he's quite big. He's like 6'2", and he gets up well enough, but he can't head it to, on target to save his life. Kevin um, James, what was he, 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, 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 yeah. He jumped 5'10", five, 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 honestly. It's an R. Heading's an R. I don't care who you are. You don't have to be the biggest either. It's a bit timing and, and whatever. Naismith but is probably Naismith, one of the best players in the team Naismith's in the air. He's good, not very yeah, tall. Nondwee is good. And 
that's why it's frustrating when you don't play to someone's strengths or you don't utilize their strengths as much as maybe you should be. And Robbie wants to do that. Rob, Robbie's whole thing is is get the ball wide, get the ball in. And if it's not going to be Nondwee, um, it could be Liam Boyce, but ideally for Nondwee to nod down or, or nod in or, or have a chance. We spoke last week about John Colquhoun talking about Sandy Clark um, and, and John's only role. When he said, what, what do you want me to do, Gaffer? And Alec McDonald's like, get the ball, get space, get it in the middle. Sandy and Robbo will hopefully do the rest. That's your job. That's all you need to do. And again, it's, it's simplified. Let's... The, the interesting thing is, just going back to the formation with, with more of a, a, a kind of diamonds, which Gary, Gary McKay is even more central, you're crossing, therefore, kind of up to Kingsley and, and Smith, isn't it? Yeah, but I think that was one of the positives, especially in the first half of the season, where the fullbacks getting forward and supplying crosses and, and obviously opening things up for those in the centre. You know, if they're overlapping, then it will open up space in the edge of the box and in dangerous positions. So, yeah, I think I'm very glad to see it. It's a bit of a frustration that it took us so long to adjust. You know, it felt like that four-two-three-one. Um, side-to-side passing. We felt like there was some kind of um, Groundhog Day or it just it just felt like it was history repeating itself for at least three weeks running, wasn't it, when it was just 4-2-3-1, side-to-side, loads of possession, no penetration. Um, so it was good to see it being mixed up. Maybe it could have been done sooner, but here we are. I'm actually kind of, I'm kind of glad, Laurie, that um, Anne Budge over the last couple of weeks when she's been interviewed has also been asked what she thinks about the recent form and... and She's admitted, um, without paraphrasing, it's been frustrating for her, um, as it has for, for us all. No, none more so than, than Robbie, Lee and, and Gordon. Look, that, that, was, that was a narrow win, ultimately. It could easily have been 5-2 or whatever, because they had a couple of other chances as well. I thought they were all right. I thought they're more, they're more mobile without, uh, sorry, without Charlie Adam, but I think they're less of a threat. And I like the kid they've got from, is it McMullen or Mullen? Um, they got from Dundee United. McMullen, like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. They've got Danny Mullen up front, and they got um, Paul McMullen as well, who is on loan from Dundee United, but will sign. He has signed a pre-contract for the summer. Uh, so Jason Cummings took the penalty, um, made it seven in twelve against Hearts. Now, uh, only th- this would actually only be his second defeat in those twelve against Hearts. He's certainly one who enjoys playing against his um, his former club, although he didn't ever get to the senior side, and of course the club he supported as a boy. That will lead me on to the quiz later on, which will be players scoring against us. You'll have to give me the players ah, players who scored a few goals against us. Um, Craig Gordon made a save from Cummings and then at the feet of Osmond So, and then seven minutes left. I guess the value of Craig Gordon highlighted again when Osmond So got into the box on the angle. Good save with the feet of Craig Gordon, not once but twice. I thought the second one was really good. The way he got up, back in position, react again with his with his left leg to save from Jonathan Afolabi. And that has been a big difference from us. And it does show because last season, you know, we were tearing our hair out with um goalkeeping errors from you know, from at least two of the players who played in goals for Hearts. He's made a big difference. And, you know, ideally we wouldn't be relying on Craig Gordon to get us points in the championship. But that's why he's there, isn't it? And that I thought that was, although it's, you know, you're not, he's not stretching 
tipping one dramatically around the post. I thought the second one especially was actually a big save. The way he is straight back up and back in position and still manages to block again. Excellent. And he's a super goalkeeper. And we're recording this um, less than an hour after another veteran Scottish goalkeeper produced a stunning save, Alan McGregor, in the last minute against Slavia Prague. So um, with most positions on a football field, the older you get, the less likely you are to be to reach your pinnacle. You, you obviously hit a, a peak and then it's downhill from there with goalkeepers. You keep yourself in shape and keep agile. I think a lot of them get better as they get older. Alan McGregor mm-hmm. certainly has, and, and Craig Gordon has in, uh, as well. With regards to, um, to, to to Craig, I mean, coming back, him and I had a, um, a, a conversation um, via WhatsApp on, on Saturday night about a couple of things. And one of the things I want to, to kind of point out was um, an interview that he gave after, or was, it the, was it the Caledonian Thistle game? up there uh, it was live on BBC and, and some some fans were thinking well, yeah, yeah some day. people it was it was that game it was some people I yeah. think misconstrued his his frustration which I thought was at them at, at his team as rather okay. than yeah yeah let's let's clear that up and let's let's clarify I mean Craig, Craig's not on this week so um I'll I'll be his mouthpiece based on you had a bit of a mouthpiece sometimes. Right? Indeed, more than a bit. Um, I, I think it's important <laughs> to, to clear it up. There was absolutely no issue or, or complaints that Hearts, about Hearts fans. He feels they're perfectly entitled to be annoyed, frustrated if they're not getting the performance they think they're going to get. It, it was it was to do with the the team, his teammates, himself, and he feels that they're not performing. Um, to the level that, that they should be. It was nothing to do with... And, and I can see why some fans thought, wait a minute, is he directing that at us? Nothing to do with the fans at all. It was it was simply post-game frustration, heat of the moment, saying, look, it's not good enough. The performance wasn't good enough. The performances of late prior to that game hadn't been good enough. And it was it was just a, an opportunity to, to kind of vent his spleen. Um, but it had nothing to do with the supporters. Uh, it was all about the the teammates that he's got. I mean, I'm not going to betray confidence and, and tell you everything that we discussed, but he said he came back to Hearts because he wanted to win things. He wanted to be the player of the year. He wanted to reach 200-plus appearances, which he reaches against air. Mm-hmm. He would love nothing better than to get 100 consecutive appearances in a Hearts jersey because in his first spell, he got to 99. And I think it was, I think he said he got sent off when he spoke to us on the podcast last year. So that denied him the 100. So it's personal goals. And it was, he's not going to criticize teammates without looking at himself first. It, that's, that's important in life. Never mind just in football. There's no point in, in kind of a scattergun approach. Oh, he's, he's shocking. It's so easy to do now. It's not points of view where you've actually got to write a letter, put a stamp on it, send it, and then hope it gets read out just before the nine o'clock news back in the 80s. No, now you just go on your, you don't have to go on your computer. You go on your personal device, your phone or whatever. You have direct access to someone. And some of the nonsense nowadays, I'm not talking about comments as, as, as far as um, that was a bad game or whatever. The whole racist, sectarian, it's just too easy for arseholes to get direct access to people now. Craig Gordon has no issue whatsoever 
with supporters venting their spleen, venting their anger, because you're going to do it in the pub if you were going to be there anyway. You're going to do it in your house after you've just watched it. As long as it's kind of within the bounds of legality, you're perfectly entitled to say that was a shite performance or whatever, because it has been. It's, it's not been good enough at times, but in no way was it a dig at fans. It was a dig at, at him and his team, even though he, he is a man of the match performance in games, he knows he's part of a team. And if that team falls below standards, then ultimately he's as culpable as anybody else because you win as a team and you lose as a team. It's a team sport and it hasn't been good enough. And he knew that. That's why he came out and said what he said after Inverness. Fair, fair. Um, I guess the last big moment of the game was uh, 94 minutes when Pete... I couldn't work it. I couldn't think if Peter Haring actually managed to touch the ball. He, he obviously came I don't on. Think he did. I don't think he did. I didn't look back and, and check it point by point. But I mean, he came on with a minute to go of the ninety. I think. Um, I'll be honest, um, Laurie. I, I, I think. Uh, I really hope he doesn't have to retire, but I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I think we've we've seen the best of him. And I don't think we're getting that back. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, this was his first appearance since... It's over three months. He he got hooked at half-time last time we played Dundee at Dens, and he was very poor that night in that first half, partly why he got substituted. Um, I, I mean, the challenge itself... I I, I I didn't see why he was complaining, in all honesty, in this day and age. I thought, as soon as you go in like that and you get and you're so far away from the ball, I thought it was always going to be a red... I don't know if I'm being harsh. I just thought, you know, I don't think I've seen worse chat tackles, but as soon as your boot is that high and the ball ends up being miles away from it, I thought I, I knew what was coming. I think, um, I think if he'd seen a yellow, Dundee would have complained, and I don't think it would have been maybe overly discussed. But did he have many much room for complaint? No, none. When I saw none? Hearts might be considering an appeal, I could have thought, save the money. That would be the most flippant and ridiculous appeal. You've probably ever done because there's no chance that that is is ever going to be overturned. It did lead to a highly entertaining image that will probably be used for for memes. About when you've got Don Robertson showing the red card, player on the ground, Haring looking bewildered, and Robbie Nielsen between I think it's between Haring and the referee, just he- throwing his head back in laughter. <laughs> Um, it's one of these. It, it, it wasn't. La- um, well, I, I don't know. It's one of these. He, you sent a player on. He's not had a touch of the ball. He still hasn't had a touch of the ball, and off he goes again. He's he's not even got a bead of sweat on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. It's one of these. I have to say, and we are very quick to castigate and have a go at referees and match officials. I don't like Don Robertson as far, as a referee based on what I've seen so far. But I thought he was fine. I th- I didn't think we could complain about his performance. I might have missed one or two things, but on the whole, I thought he was fine. A referee is someone that you shouldn't even... Re- you shouldn't... When when I ask you about you a referee... You should notice them, yeah. They should. Correct. You should be like, um, yeah, I think he's taken a few, a few of our games this season. I think he's done them, but I can't really remember too many of them. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. That was a game that no one's going to remember how it was officiated. I mean, the red card was spot on because he, he did his job. Uh, he's... <laughs> Him and, and got the dive, got the dive Peter, spot on. Although it was an absolutely horrendous dive from oh, from McMullen. It, it was, and but that's another thing we've we've seen so many officials be conned. They get one look. We don't have VAR in Scotland. 
and again we've been we've been down that road before. Maybe that's for the best. They get one look, and a lot of that bizarrely, it's like a goalkeeper. You can make a save look easy by your positioning. Referees' positioning is crucial, and they have to be up with the play. They have to be in the right place or try to be. And when that attempt at simulation took place, he, he got it. He got it spot on. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> Robbie Nielsen's uh, humour. At, uh, at Peter Haring's red card. It's just one of these, it's a split second. I mean, it's a kind of, it could Im- immediately be um, followed by oh, the head up and the smile, and then the, oh my God. But it's, the still frame of the of the smile is something that's just like, really, you did that? I've just put you on? Come on. I'm actually glad in a way, if we were to get a red card, it was Peter Haring, not someone that's going to be important to us as far as a starter and someone we're, we're trying to play to build up a, a kind of rapport, a, a Boyce or a Nondouillet or a Gary Mackay-Steven. Um, if it's going to be someone, I mean, it's, he's, not even, he's not even ready with that challenge. It's just silly. It really is. So a big win for Hearts, uh, which at the time of recording has them now 14 points ahead at the top of the Scottish Championship. Okay, moving on, um, I wanted to touch on a subject with you, Mark. Now, we got a message from uh, Lawrence Anderson McLean. Uh, He posted a comment on the last podcast, and he he mentioned one thing that he thought we we should be touching upon more, and I think it's a fair point in this part of it. He mentioned the youth policy, and and where has this gone in, in in terms of this season for Hearts? And it's interesting because... I was thinking back to 2017-2018, the end of that season, when Hearts publicised um, the fact that Hart Midlothian had played, had given more first team minutes to teenagers than any other team in a European top flight league. There was almost 5,000 minutes given to teenagers. You'll remember at the end of that season, we played Kilmarnock and we played um, a few youngsters in that match. Um, this season... In the championship, in the league, we have given zero minutes to teenagers. Not a single minute to a teenager has been um, has been given by Hearts in the league. Uh, Scott McGill, who's now 19, he had some Betfred Cup appearances, three in total. Harry Cochran played a 90-minute game in the Betfred Cup as well. We've had Cami Logan, Aaron Darge and Aidan Denham on the bench in matches this season. None of them have played. But we have not given any teenagers, any match time in the league this season. That's in the second tier. Well, that, that, that is something you, we, we kind of have to question, isn't it, Mark? So, you know, a team like Hearts, we've bigged up the academy. It's a big part of what we do. We've invested a lot of money in it. What's going on there? Don't know. Good question. I'm glad that we got a chance to, to discuss that as well. There was a tweet going about what you've just said, and that kind of made me think, whoa. So what is the problem? I mean, Lewis Moore... Uh, a winger. We brought in five wingers. Are, are the ones that we have not good enough? And what what is the issue? I remember being in Estonia or Malta, one of the two, chatting with with Levine and a few others, and he was saying how they had to kind of start from scratch again after the the Romanov era uh, yeah. left them with with. But that was ages ago. That was that was like eight nine years ago. So in that corresponding period. We've got, or we've had, some some really good opportunities 
to nurture our own. Now, I was pleased that we we um, discussed this topic with Lee McCulloch when he was on a few weeks ago, and he pointed out there are um, several good ones that are not ready yet to start for the first team, but hopefully in the next two or three years. But that's what he's got to work with now. What was the problem for previous coaches, which seems bizarre given that one of them was Craig Levine, and he was in charge of, of kind of director of football and director of the academy. So he would have known exactly. He, he said it. He's mentioned it. He knew everyone by name. We haven't seen enough coming through based on that. But on the other hand, are there players that we should have given a chance to rather than going out and purchasing wingers that clearly weren't good enough? Mm-hmm. And other players who, I mean, for every Andy Irving out there, who knows? There might be two or three others that we've seen. We've seen youngsters blossom at different ages as well. Is it a lack of trust? Because Robbie Nielsen has put a team on the park this season that ultimately is is doing what he was hoping to do, i.e., be fourteen points clear in the style that he was hoping to. No, could that have been achieved with? an influx or certainly one or two more youngsters. Maybe we don't watch them every day in training. So therefore, is it damning that we, who's it damning for? Is it damning for the club that we don't have enough trust in the young team, um, given all the, the issues that they've had, because I don't think they've been able to allow to play. Have they over the past few months, given the the lockdown or or whatever. Um, But even before that, I still think we may have, or we should have had maybe one or two more youngsters in the uh, in the first team squad, and because I mean, look, we're we going to wait until we wrap up a league that we're probably going to win by double digits anyway. Mm, come on. Yeah, I mean, it's like Cammy Logan, who's who's nineteen now. He's been on he's been on the bench for Hearts this season. hasn't played any minutes. He's now on loan at Cove Rangers. So he played at the end of that 2017-2018 season in that game against Kilmarnock when he was sixteen. So three years on. And unlike you, I can't say, oh, I know that Cammy Logan should be given a chance because he's great. Because I don't, I don't see these players. I, I don't have a chance to watch the development side. So I'd be lying if I said I know he should be given a chance. I, I think it's one that'd be interesting to put out there to people because there will be people who, who know some of these players better than us who maybe watch them for the development squad. Um, what are your, what are your feelings on the Hearts youth policy? Is there an issue there with we aren't? nurturing and generating the quality or is it a case that they're just not get given they're not getting the chance now, now i know one thing that was interesting i know this from speaking to some people who were involved at younger age groups uh, in terms of the coaching side at hearts craig levine very much as he when he was director of football had put in place a certain philosophy a certain way of playing and he he was very much for getting everyone fitting into that system which was playing football the right way, so to speak, playing out from the back, um, trying to make sure that when the players progress through the age groups, they know how Hearts are going to play and they can fit into their position into the team, you know, from playing for the 17s, playing for the development squad, uh, all the way into the senior side. There was a feeling, though, and I, and this is from people I know who've been involved, that when Levine became manager, he lost sight of that and became too concerned about just getting the results for the first team, which I suppose is natural in a way. But apparently, although he was doing the, the dual role, which obviously 
lots of people made jokes about the fact he was director of football and he was the the first team coach as well. That was lost sight of a bit because Hearts had struggled and the entire focus was on just getting the first team steady and and trying to get best results out of them. And, and I think we have lost sight of players that could be coming through. And I understand you could argue if it was an 05 and 06 type of season where we've we've picked up some really high quality first team players and they're banging in goals or they're performing to a high standard in their position. Well, what are you going to do? Throw an 18-year-old in when you've got... Edgaris Jankowskis up front or you've got Takis Fisas at left back no you're not going to do that because you're perfor- your team's performing but you can't even use that excuse because we've been poor for a long time and, and this season although we're getting the job done would people have argued that if throwing in more minutes for um, for Scott McGill for instance in the centre over Andy Halliday maybe would have got a bit more leeway I don't think people would have argued with that so is it the fact that quality isn't there or is it that we're not giving them the opportunity? And that's what I would like to put out there because, again, I'd be lying if I said I know what the answer is because I don't. With this, you're asking you who've just said you don't know the answer and me who doesn't see any of, of the under-18s, I can't, um, or, or the reserves, and there haven't been many games at all because of the pandemic. But... You're asking us to comment on on something, or, or we're being asked to comment on something that we don't know much about. So I think it's it's only fair. I mean, anyone can speak for ten minutes and, and pretend they know about something. Yeah, we do but, all the time. Of, of course, but that's <laughs> why I would, I would like to have. I mean, why not? We will endeavour to to try and get people who do know the answers to that because I think it's enlightening. I was intrigued by when when Lee McCulloch was talking about the youngsters and who he's got high hopes for because that's the future of our football club. Everyone who plays right now will not be playing for our football club in probably ten years time, maybe five years time. There'll be a whole bunch of of new players in. Hopefully, a lot of them have come through our academy because we spend enough money on it. But it's like getting two people with no medical qualifications. Um, to discuss the the COVID vaccine, having not had it, you're 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 basing what you know on what you've heard, and what you've heard is is based on on what you've read and what you choose to read. We don't know is is the answer. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, you know, we will have people who will listen who will have watched some of the youngsters or might have been involved. But, you know, the, the, there's so many people involved in Hearts at different levels. That's why I'm intrigued to see if there's any insight as to what people's feeling is on that. That's why I'm putting it out there, yeah. Get in touch. Tweet at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Okay, a wee quiz for oh. you. Um, obviously with Jason Cummings unfortunately scoring another inevitable goal which feels like that against Hearts 7 and 12 he has now against the men in Maroon I thought I would go Is it just just me by the way or or are there other Hearts fans that just kind of think I'd just like to see what he could do in a Maroon jersey regardless of whether Robbie or others rate him or not I just there's something there that I just wonder Yeah because he's he's a goal scorer, and we've not had one for a while. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's too late now. It, it's too late now. But in the past, you look at him and think, 
I wonder if he would ever have done a job for us. Yeah, it's one of these kind of almost boring uh, transfer rumours that always, whenever Jason Cummings is available, which seems to be, he seems to always be on the move. He hasn't settled anywhere since he's left Hibs, really. He'll always get linked with us, and it'll probably keep happening until he retires. Um, it's kind of like Lafferty now. He'll always get linked with us when he becomes available. Um, I'm with you. I think he's a character. Uh, he's obviously got a good eye for goal. Um, I don't know if he has the quality that would really take us on, but yeah, I, I'm always intrigued. He might, he might, he might have been a good player for us in the championship. Which we hopefully and won't be in very much longer. No, yeah. well, that's what I'm saying. At the start of the season, um, when I'm sure he would have been available or, or whatever, like different players do well in certain leagues, others don't take the step up. But I mean, he played, he's played at a decent enough level. Mm-hmm. And I just think a goal scorer will score goals in any league if he gets service. The higher up you go, the harder it will be. Some players improve as they go up divisions. Others stay where they are. Those are the ones that don't make it. The ones who improve and get better are the ones that have a chance. I don't know what type of those players he is. I don't know if he's one who would improve the better he was playing against. But a fox in the box in a league that you're going to have probably a lot of chances in the championship. If he if he was Liam Boyce this season, many goals do you think he would score? If he was Liam Boyce, if we didn't have Liam Boyce, we had James, uh, Jason Cummings instead. Would he, do you think he'd be double digits? I do. I think he might have scored about the same. I don't know if he would have had the same contribution as Liam Boyce. Um, I don't think he's as good as Liam. I Boyce. think Liam Boyce is a better all-round player. Oh, hundred percent. I'm, I'm just saying. I think Jason Cummings, but Jason Cummings would only have scored the goals if he had the service, and if we weren't, if we weren't providing for Liam Boyce, that's. <laughs> We weren't going to provide for Jason Cummings either. I just think, I don't know if the two of them could play together. It's just it's just a fanciful kind of notion that, I wonder what he would have been like in a Hearts jersey. We'll never know. But well, it's one of these we might at some point. Them. We might at some point. No. Unless he gets a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't write it off. He's not that old. But, um, yeah, anyway. Anyway, the, the quiz is, Sorry. I'm going to give you um, some players, obviously not going to give you the name, I'll give you some information about them, players who have scored against Hearts, all of them have scored a few goals against Hearts, um, and you're going to tell me who it is, or you're going to try anyway. I was trying to stall and just and, and give you fluff, because I'm not confident about this. I, th- I think that I've spoken to my lawyers about the cheating allegations, so there's a few um, <laughs> suits being, uh, being assigned to various people. I don't think this is going to be easy to cheat, though. So um, I've, I've made it it's all in your time watching hearts. It's all in a good period of time for okay. you. So, um, so we'll see how we go. So first up, this player scored his first goal. Now, some of these I've mentioned the team. Some of them I haven't because I think it'll be too easy sometimes if I mention the team. Um, okay. So this player scored his first goal against hearts in October 1997 at Tynecastle, a 2-1 win for the opposition. His last goal was in February 2004, also at Tynecastle, a 3-0 win for the opposition. I think you'll get this as soon as I get to this. He scored a total of 23 goals against Hearts. In Henry Larson. Tw- yeah, yeah. Not many scored that, that amount of goals. 23 goals in 26... Oh, God. 26 appearances. You know, Henrik Larson, I hated the sight of him, but I couldn't dislike him that much if that made sense you had admiration for his yeah ability. i didn't like he wasn't one of these where i just hated i don't hate's the wrong word but one of these i just didn't like um 
you know, I, I, I felt dread when I saw him line up against us because he seemed to... Oh, without a doubt. There was a time they had Larson up front and there was also the Van Hoydon cadet... Sutton and Hartson. They were less yeah. likable, Sutton and Hartson, but yeah. Yeah, um, but McCoy's for Rangers always had a knack of, of doing well against Hearts. But, I mean, I don't know. Everyone's different. I, I am a big supporter of any Scottish club, and that includes Hibs, any Scottish club in Europe, because the better we do, as we've seen with, with Celtic and especially Rangers over the last couple of years, that means more success. And, and as a result, we're going to have more places in Europe. So there's more to aim for. I mean, it's. If you're a, a kind of team that's that's got to get third in in the top flight, otherwise you're not going to be playing in Europe. That's that's tough for most teams. But if that goes down to fifth, or maybe even sixth place now with this new UEFA Nations League, so the better our teams do. And I I remember when when Celtic got to the final in, in Seville, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Rangers' run in 2008 to the UEFA Cup final. But but I'd been brought up on Aberdeen Cup Winners' Cup was a little bit too early for me. But Dundee United going to Barcelona. Dundee United are one of the only teams in the world who are still unbeaten against Barcelona, having played um, more than once. I think they're, they've played them four times and they've, they've never lost. So the Dundee United run was certainly special in 86-87, the final against Gothenburg, the Rangers run to the final in, in 2008, the Celtic run as well, and, and this season. So I'm all for that. And, and I, don't, I, I'm, I hate the word hate. I, I, don't, I don't like using that. Um, despise on the other hand for, for certain players no I'm kidding but he, Larson was always someone who he was such he, a good footballer and he, he, he seemed... was such a good footballer but he, his first thought after scoring was not go straight to the Hearts fans and get it right up them I'm not I don't care for stick his tongue like out <laughs> but just there was admiration for copious amounts of ability indeed Okay, that, I thought that was quite a straightforward one. As soon as you got to the amount of goals in, yeah. in the period of time. Okay, so next up, um, this player scored his first goal. Um, it was actually a double. He scored two goals uh, in a game, a three-one win for Dundee United against Hearts at Tannadice. Um, his last goal was for Motherwell against Hearts, and that was a one-one draw at Tynecastle. The last goal came in nineteen ninety-eight. And this player scored a total of 17 goals against Hearts in 48 appearances. I was thinking Billy Dodds, but Billy never played for Motherwell. Nope. Um, what month, or was it 97-98, or was it 96-97 that he scored his last goal against Hearts? His last goal was in 1998. So it would have so been 97-98, I believe. I didn't actually note that down, but I think... Remembering the game, I believe it was 97-98. So this was when he was at Motherwell? He was at Motherwell, yes. He actually your, what was it? He scored for Hearts, against Hearts, for four separate clubs, actually. Was it Tommy Coyne? It was, yes. It's funny because I, I'd, um, I'd sent Craig a message earlier asking him about the save from McGregor and how good it was. I, I thought it was as good as Tommy Coyne um, denied by Henry Smith, and David Turnbull denied by Craig himself. But Tommy Coyne, let's see, he played Dundee United, Motherwell... Two goals for United, Celtic, one for Dundee, Dundee, seven Dundee, for Celtic, yeah, right. and seven right. goals for Motherwell. 17 goals for four different clubs in 48 appearances. What I'm, what I'm thinking I should probably do with some of these, if people are listening and want to try and guess, I should probably give you the question and then go to the next one and then come back to them. Um, 
I'm just thinking some weeks you get the answers very quickly and some people might want to play along. So I have, maybe, maybe. I have three more. I have three okay. more, so I'll go through them and I won't ask you for the answer until afterwards, okay? We'll try okay. this. So okay. number three um, uh-huh. scored... Remember, don't come in even if you know it yet. First goal... <laughs> yes, Magnus. First goal was in... Otherwise, you're disqualified. First goal was 1992, a hat-trick against Hearts in a 6-2 win for the opposition, obviously. Um, his last goal was in 1996, a 2-1 win. That was at Tynecastle for opposition. I won't give you the team. He scored 11 goals in 19 appearances in total against Hearts, all for one club. Okay, so that's number three. Uh, number four. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? I'm still, I'm, I'm still speaking to my boffins in the basement as far as... I'll go back to them afterwards when I get the answer. But you're... yeah, but that—that's just three questions of, of words, and I'm I'm focused on one. When you're on the next one, um, can you read question three again? Oh, Jesus! First, so this player scored his first goal against Hearts in 1992, um, and his first goal was followed by two more in that game. He scored a hat trick in total in a six-two-one, a six-two win against Hearts at the opposition's ground. So it was away from home for Hearts. And his last goal against Hearts okay, was okay. 1996, a 2-1 win for the opposition at Tynecastle. 11 and 19 in total, all for the same club. Okay. But he, he did play for another Scottish club against Hearts without scoring, I uh, think. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe. Eight. I'll not give the answer away, but I think I know it. Okay. Okay. Question four. I, I know he played for... I didn't think he... But anyway... Okay, we'll move on. Question four. Um, first goal against Hearts was in an Edinburgh derby in 1985. That was at Tynecastle in a 2-1 yep. Hearts win. I think I know this, yep. Last goals against Hearts uh, was a hat-trick for another club in 1997, also at Tynecastle. Scored yep, a total, total of 11 goals in 24 mm-hmm. appearances for Hearts. Against Hearts, sorry. And he's got a similar hair colour to the answer to question number three, hasn't he? <laughs> yes, he does. He does. Yeah, not giving it away, but yeah. He does, okay. indeed. Okay, final question. Um, mm-hmm. This player scored his first goal against Hearts in 2005 for mm-hmm. opposition club at Tynecastle in a 3 2 Hearts win. Okay. His last goals against Hearts uh, came as a hat-trick, again for the same club that was at their ground, so Hearts away from home, and this was his second hat-trick against Hearts, so I, I missed, I wasn't very clear about that, so he's, his final goals against Hearts were in 2008, he scored a hat-trick, Hearts were away from home, and it was the second time he'd scored a hat-trick against Hearts. He got nine against Hearts in total in 20 appearances. Um, You'll need to read five again. Okay. Scored his first goal against Hearts in 2005. A 3-2 Hearts win at Tynecastle against Players Club. Um, Last goals against Hearts uh, were a hat-trick for the opposition. Same opposition, playing for that same club at Tynecastle in 2008 and that was the second time he'd scored a hat-trick against Hearts. Overall, nine goals against Hearts in 20 appearances. He actually played for four clubs against Hearts 
all of his all of his goals only came for one of those four. So he didn't score against trying, Hearts for three of the four. I'm trying to think of a three-two win for Hearts in 2005. Was it? It must be the tail end of 0405 then. Um, because we 0506 we didn't win three-two between. If it's a competitive game, we didn't win three-two in any of our competitive games between when Burley took over and the end of of that year. So it's got to be the end of of o four o five season. Okay, it's got to be. Um, I don't know right, if that helps so much. Uh, maybe can can I give you the answer to three? Oh, okay, question three. Yeah. Okay. Question three, I believe, was Duncan Shearer. Yes, 11 goals and 19 appearances against Hearts, all for Aberdeen. Question four. I believe the answer was Gordon Jury, hence the remark about the hair colour being yeah. pretty similar to Duncan's, although not as red. Yep. One goal for Hibs against Hearts. Ten goals for Rangers. Uh, later played for Hearts. One thing that you might remember this, this totally passed me by. I would never have known this until I looked. He once scored two goals against Hearts in a friendly match. For an English side, he scored two for Spurs in July '92 against Hearts. Yes, would never have known that. Could've... Don't remember them, but yeah, I, I was at the game, but I don't remember it. Okay. Question five, final one. Um... Now, this is what I'm not sure. I think because you said something about the number of times that, or the number of different teams he played for, was it Barry Robson? It was, yes, because he played for Cali Thistle, he played for Dundee United, he played for Celtic, he played for Aberdeen, all against Hearts. He was actually sent off twice against Hearts, uh, but all of his nine goals came for Dundee United, including two two hat-tricks. question I wanted to, to ask, did Duncan Shearer score, well he didn't score against Hearts for Inverness, Caledonia Thistle, but he would have played, wouldn't he? Against Hearts? He was there a few years. Um, it wasn't noted down on London Hearts. All the appearances they had logged for Duncan Shearer against Hearts. Okay, uh, well, he, might, he for, might have played. He played 97 to 2002 for Cali. Hearts played Cali in what, 2002, wasn't it? First time in the Cup. Uh, maybe, three yeah. So maybe, Tail end maybe. then, I mean. So maybe he didn't play because uh, Inverness were on their way up, weren't they? Because yeah, so well, people, right people younger, yeah, younger people will be kind of they won't really remember Inverness Caledonian and Inverness Thistle as two Highland League clubs and then the amalgamation, um, and they'll probably just think of them as a, a team that's gone between the top flight and the second tier. But way back when, they were probably still just coming up because Livingston got into the top flight for the first time in '03. It was probably around that time where Inverness uh, got up as what was. He wasn't even on the he wasn't even on the bench in that game. So 2002, right. that was the first, never, you know, first time yeah. they met, and that was what final months of his career. Hearts lost three yeah. one, um, and it was Walker, Tokley, Man, McCaffrey, McBain, Monroe, Duncan, Christie, Began, Robson, Barry Robson played, um, Richie, Dennis Wyness up front, and he's not on the bench either. So did you say did you say Joseph was in goal? Joseph, no. Walker. Joseph Joseph Nicole Walker. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Indeed. Nicky Walker had a spell up there, didn't he? I think that was him. Inverness. Anyway, anyway, there you go. That was good, good quiz. I like that. And yeah, as long as you give enough time between the questions, I think that's probably a better way to go for, for, for Hearts fans listening that love a quiz. 
because there'll be somewhere for some reason I'll know and I'll just spoil it for everyone like I normally do um, and there'll be others that yeah I think that's that's fair the way you did that this week I like that good you're, thank getting, you you're getting good at these thank you're, you you're for welcome. thank you for participating you're welcome yeah thank you Okay, before we go, um, Hearts have another game this weekend. They host Air United. Um, David Hopkin has just taken over at Air United. So six four zero. We'll expect a very rigid and defensive Air United uh, at Ten Castle on Saturday. And I think what that means, Mark, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna delve into a pre-match analysis. Same again, surely for Hearts. Nice attacking line up and hopefully with a bit of a bit of pace, a bit of tempo, get the fullbacks forward. Um, it worked very well away to Morton when uh, David Hopkin was in charge in his final game uh, over at Capolo. Uh, you know we played a narrow midfield and we got uh, Smith and Kingsley forward. I think it's just set up to 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 go same again. We can, I think we we don't want to get drawn into. A similar formation and setup that we've seen Hearts dominate possession with, but not create enough clear chances. What are we going to do with Jamie Walker? It's a good question. I, I think there's a there's certainly a place for him. He's been very effective off the bench at times, so maybe that's what Robbie's keeping him in, keeping him there for. But I'm sure Jamie Walker will not want to just be a, a super sub, so to speak. I guess. Okay, where, not... does he, where does he where does he play if? he starts who doesn't play I mean if he starts which I don't know if he will but if he did I think he'd have to be playing him in the role that Gary McKay Stephen was in on Saturday so whether whether he was in for Gary McKay Stephen or Gary McKay Stephen dropped deeper and you moved like a holiday I I don't know Um, I I, I would guess he would just go with the same if everyone's available though oh no I I agree I'm just playing we love a devil's advocate on, on this show uh Andy Halliday, if he hadn't scored, and I thought he played well, um, Andy Halliday. I thought that was one of his, his better games um, for Hearts. There has been the suggestion that our tempo slows down a little bit if it goes through him. Um, I just don't know if you could play Gary Mackay, Stephen and Jamie Walker both in central positions. I'm, 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 not, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to go with the same again. I think, I think he has to go with the season. same again. I think. Um, oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. But just if, if Jamie was to come in and Jamie was to, if we were to get the best of Jamie and we we could not drop him because he was he was undroppable, who would be the player in this formation? I suppose it would. Jamie's best form is coming in the number ten position or yeah. as a as a kind of advanced playmaker and with Gary McKay Stephen in that role. So I don't know if that formation you could have Jamie and Gary McKay Stephen. Together in that same team because one's going to have to play deeper, and I think that takes away from. from Maybe the not. I mean, I would hope we're going to be on the front foot for most of the game on Saturday. I, I wouldn't be against if he if he did put Mackay Stephen more to the left and put Walker in the middle and did potentially drop Halliday. I don't think he. I don't think he will. But that... no, I'm, ha- I'm happy with the team. I'm, I was just I was just saying if, if Jamie was to start, Jamie's going to have to earn his spot. I mean, if Andy Halliday keeps performing like that and. I mean, he was better. He was better. Um, maybe it helps Halliday being a bit further forward. Um, I think he's been okay when he's been maybe asked to go forward. I, I mean, I wasn't. I don't think after Saturday I was thinking, "Wow, Halliday was fantastic." But oh, no, no, better all. than he I mean, has he was, been. He was, 
but his bar I don't think has been that high no, of late, no. and and that's that's why I mean before his goal, what, his goal was like half hour, thirty odd minutes. Yeah, but um, ten minutes left in the first half, I think. Yeah, so I wasn't overly enthused by what I'd seen in the opening half hour um, from him. I thought the first ten minutes, if I remember rightly, and apologies to him if I don't. I thought there were a couple of giveaways, and he, I just clipped, think... he clipped the post with something that I'm still not quite sure if it was a shot or a cross. But um... did he not also clip a couple of opponents in the first 10-15 minutes and give away fouls? And that's why I thought that's what kind of brought me to or brought him to attention at the start. I'm like, uh-huh. is can we do better than this? And, and he got his goal because he was playing a little bit more advanced. It's a it's the same team. There's no excuse whatsoever to change that lineup. And would that mean then that after going 37 without back-to-back same teams, we would have the same team in two of our last three or two of our last four? It would if if he decides to if he decides to keep it. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Robbie. Um, <laughs> I would put it past Robbie making one change just to just to. What change? What change would that be though? Oh, I, I've. I don't know. I mean, the the obvious one is trying to get Walker in, like you said. But he even after Walker scored his fiftieth goal, he was he was on the bench again. So I really don't know. Um, I'm just saying I wouldn't put it past him. But we'll see. Let's just we'll let's see just, on Saturday. Let's just wait and see. And I'm pretty optimistic it will be the same. Assuming everyone's fit, <laughs> that'd be the only way he'd change long, it. Long-winded way of saying it'll probably be unchanged. Um, anyway, Brora, by the way, are you? I noticed the only way that they're claiming, the only way you can see the game is via their stream and their website at Brora. Does that mean you have a, a Tuesday evening off in a couple of weeks? Or how's that going to be? It's It certainly will be the only way to see the game. Will be via you, will, you be, I, will you be there doing audio? I do not think I will be there at all. Whether there's an alternative, I do not know yet. That's still up in the air. Um, I don't think Hearts will be sending many people to the game at all because it's on a Tuesday obviously and it's a eight hour round trip um, Ian Auld will be commentating so there will Good be guy. there will Good be lad. there will be a hearts man commentating yes. on the game Ian Auld, Ian Auld used to be the sports editor at Murray Firth when I was at Radio Fourth, and he's a big big jambo and then he went to work for Inverness Caledonian Thistle and he's doing bits and bobs up there now super guy big big jambo so when he found out that uh, he was getting the opportunity to commentate on that one. So um, there will certainly not be total Brora bias in that one because the commentator is at, he's probably a bigger jambo than you are, Dunsire. Well, I don't know. Are we going to get into jambo competitiveness here? Are we? He's not, I'm, <laughs> I, I just I, I put my rod in the water to see if there was a bite. <laughs> Rather than a I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get defensive because I probably won't get to go to the game, so whatever. Oh, Diddums, you've seen more Hearts games this season than any other Hearts I know, supporter, so don't I, give me that shite. I know. Don't you dare get complacent either, Dunsar, because we would give our right arm. I know. Uh, now who's, now who's biting? Now who's biting? I'm not biting. Anyway. Heart of Midlothian are back in action on Saturday. Hopefully, as you know, barring any um, catastrophic um, events, Craig Gordon will make his 200th appearance. Um, I've managed to get through most of this without mentioning the fact that, as we record, it's one year to the day since Hearts last played in front of supporters. Really? 11th of March last year, submitting wow. one Hearts nil. 
Well, that's mm. not strictly true because we didn't play that night. We were no. there, but we never, we never, we never showed up. No. And that's a year ago. My goodness. Oh, do do you think we will have some fans in attendance at any stage of this calendar year? Yes. Good. I think if there's going to be, hopefully, I don't think we'll have a full tank castle, but I think there'll be. No, no. But the issue is, I mean, Hearts probably end up losing money if it's only a a small number of fans in it and budget or something like that. But if Nicola Sturgeon um, is able to hopefully give the green light to the Euros taking part or taking place at at Hamden as normal, um, and that goes without any issues and, and there's no fallout and everyone behaves themselves. That's got to give us hope that we'll have at least some fans in it. I mean, it's an outdoor um, arena. It's not like we're asking fans. I mean, here in various states, there are a lot of indoor arenas that are being utilized um, and fans are in attendance, not 100%. Now, that gets political because a lot of these states, the governors are like, okay, Texas, for example, the Texas Rangers baseball team um, can, if they want, play to a full house in some exhibition baseball games before the new season and on opening day. Now, that's totally different. That's them. If we're safe and we come through this in the UK, I'm talking about, um, and everyone does what they're told and we have a successful June at Hamden, it would be lovely to think that we could have Hearts fans, some, in attendance for the first game of the, the Premiership campaign next season, assuming we go up. That's going to be the aim. The aim. Yep. Well, here's hoping. Um, and there won't be fans in attendance on Saturday, but hopefully it's another big Hearts win, and we will be discussing that next week. Uh, until then, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>